Hi, my name is Ben Witkowski, and welcome to the Universal Language of Music podcast. Today's episode is the podcast edition of episode six, Is Music Really a Language? Yes, indeed. Hello, welcome. Yes, it's great to be here. Great to have you here. My name is Ben Wachowski and it is episode six of the Universal Language of Music, a podcast that explores the wonderful power and wonderful brilliance of music in amongst some thoughts and observations from a man looking down the barrel of a camera, talking in a microphone in a remote Australian town. 300 kilometers away from the nearest place to buy socks. It's hopefully something that you're enjoying. Um, we have a bit of a balance on this podcast. The audio book goes super nerdy and deep dives into some technical and theoretical um, specificities of music. Um, and then the podcast, usually you have to endure a little bit of rambling from me. Uh, but not in this episode. Well, maybe. I'll try not to. Um, I've got some things to cover because we are talking about the topic of episode six. Is music really a language? Um, if you tuned into the audiobook or if you indeed read the blog, which is on my website, benwickowskimusic.com, uh, you will find out that I answered it with a yes and a no um, because I'm spineless and can't make decisions. Uh, <laughs> No, my, my, main, my main comparison was if you took a newborn baby and for the first five years of its life, you only taught it uh, language through music or you only taught it language and you never, uh, you never opened it. Oh, what's that word? You never, you never made it privy to um, listening to music. How well would that baby communicate with each one? And the, I think the, the very obvious answer is that if you don't teach a child how to speak, it won't learn how to speak. So it, it can't obtain that skill set, that language um, need from music. Um, however, as I went into the research, um, it showed that to expose a kid to music, or to expose anyone to music um, in conjunction with language, um, at times the music can actually be far more powerful than the language itself. Um, we, we looked at um, this term ethnomusicology, which is a kind of a fancy way of talking about how music can transcend across cultures. That is essentially the primary function of this entire podcast which will then turn into some case studies of countries and religions and cultures and, and different groups, um, which will then turn into a documentary um, Netflix, please. I sent, I sent a pitch for this documentary to Netflix last year and they, um, they didn't reply. But that's okay because um, that's the kind of adversity that you need, right? That's, you, everyone needs some hard doings. They didn't even they didn't even like read receipt. Although that probably would be worse. It's probably better that they just spammed it, I guess, because it's nothing worse when you message someone and they just give you the scene, the the tick, 
<laughs> and they don't reply. Um, so Netflix, um, if you're listening to this, I am a personality. Please put me on your uh, network and let me travel across the world and showcase the wonderful power of music as we travel through cultures. Thanks. Cheers. Um, yes. So ethnomusicology uh, can do that. It's, it's where language, sorry, the music can transcend different language groups. Um, there we looked at this study, we, I looked at this study where um, all these cultures from around the world that spoke different languages and had different values and all that listened to the same type of music, like same sort of category, like a dance song, for example. And 95% of people associated it with a dance song. So that's really cool. Um, you know, it's like if I was to sing a song in English about, I don't know, living in a, going bald. No, no, that's not right. About sadness. Let's look at it like a primary emotion. Uh, sadness. Um, someone who spoke French or someone who spoke Japanese or someone who spoke Russian could interpret that song as it meaning that, uh, you know, sadness is a, is a key function of that song. Going bold, by the way, anyone that is watching on YouTube, you will notice that I have officially given up on my attempts to not be bald. Um, strange one, you know, I was about 24 years old, realized, well, I didn't realize, I got this cool haircut, I thought it was cool, and then the hairdresser said, oh, so not long nef- left now, huh? So what are you talking about? So yeah, going a bit thin. And I do have a very prominent helipad as they call it so the the sort of top of my egg head has got this circular flat bald patch suitable for aircraft landing um it's a yep that's i'm just settling into that for now um which is cool whatever but what i thought i would do in this episode um is we're talking about is music a language so the answer is yes um it's it's more powerful at, at times. And I just want to relate this to my own um, little uh, feelings and, and stuff that I get with music um, and talk about where music is more powerful than any emotion or belief or thought process that goes through my mind. There are some songs that have meant a great deal to me in my life. And I thought this could be a cool way to get people involved as well by doing what I'm about to do. Because I am going to announce my favorite songs ever, counting down from the top five. So I'm going to play them, not in their entirety, but I'm going to play them and I'm going to explain why they are so amazing and, and relate it a little bit to this thing about music and language and how how these songs they're so they're so they capture like a moment in my life so perfectly that it's like you feel like the song kind of has to be written about you but that's the that's the power of a good song which is really really cool there was a quote um in one of these articles I was researching in the audiobook um I'll just read it out uh, yeah it it just really summed up that this power that I'm trying to talk about so it's saying music and language are essentially the same thing. They're sounds. Um, languages consist of phonemes, whatever musical system consists of notes. Music resembles language in the sense that it is a temporal sequence of articulated sounds which are more than just sounds. They say something, often something human, 
the better the music, the more forcefully they say it. That's a very, very powerful phrase and I really like that. Um, so these five songs that I've chosen, well, they all say something um, to my life more powerful than I can say with my stupid blabbering bald head mouth. So what we're going to do is get stuck in straight away. Top five songs ever. Now, I deliberated, uh, I've deliberated about this list for years and years and years and years and years and years. And I must stress for anyone that's going to post any sort of negative feedback or detract from what I'm about to do. This is not my list of what I think the best songs ever made are. If that makes sense, this is just my top five, personal top five. And if you really don't like what I'm going on about, you can send in your top five and then in a future podcast episode, I will analyze it and I will bag you out for your shit music taste or have a positive discussion about um, the beautiful diversity in which uh, musical genres provide the opportunity for people to connect um, through different um, thoughts and whatever. Okay, so top five songs. Let's get stuck in. This is number five. This song is called Head Rolls Off by Frightened Rabbit. Jesus is just a Spanish boy's name. How come one man got so much fame? Now, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I just want to give you a little bit of an introduction. I'll talk about it and then listen to some key points a little bit more. Doesn't have faith. Give me the cloth and I'll wipe my face. When it's all gone, something carries on, and it's not more Yeah, wild. Um, it's such a good song. So, for anyone that doesn't know Frightened Rabbit, um, they have an extremely heartbreaking yet profoundly poignant and important story. They're from Scotland. Um, obviously, like a sort of indie rock arrangement. Um, and uh, the, the lead singer, Scott Hutchinson, he um, battled a lot with uh, mental illness and depression, had alcohol problems and, and everything. And I've, I've heard this a couple of times that um, people say it's good for a musician to be in a melancholic mood because it produces <laughs> brilliant um, creative art. And I think that um, is true to an extent, but with the case of Frightened Rabbit, um, unfortunately ended in extremely tragic circumstances. Scott was plagued by this this crippling sadness. He wrote the most beautiful songs to share his experience with the world, which which really, you know, resonated with a lot of people, really made people that were going through some similar stuff be able to, to get it out of their own mind. I know in times of my sort of adverse mental health, 
I find that writing it down or writing down like the thoughts going through my mind or, or what's going on is like a really, it's got this like sort of symbolic meaning behind it because you, when you write it out, it, it's out of your head and you can, it's sort of external now. It's not in your mind, only in your mind playing tricks on you. You can read it and a lot of the times it reads, it reads so stupid. Like it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense about what you're saying like so negatively about yourself or about the world. A lot of the times it does, of course. Um, but yes, yeah, Scott could articulate this feeling of what was going on inside his head in the most beautiful forms of music. Um, and yeah, this song, Head Rolls Off, for me, has done wonders in my life. Really, really has. There's one particular lyric that I'm just going to try and find um, because I think it sums up everything about any sort of mood that you're in, um, whether you're feeling some sort of life-fulfilling prophecy or whether you're a bit down in the dumps, um, there's this sort of beautifully simple quote, um, beautif beautifully simple lyric from this song. I'm just going to find it right now. My blood stops, someone While I'm alive, I'll make tiny changes to earth. Uh, I love it. I love that lyric. It, it's so simple. It's so meaningful. It's, it sums up everything. It puts it perfectly. It puts life into perspective so perfectly. I feel a lot of the time I get sort of bombarded or sort of overwhelmed with like how the enormity of negativity that exists around the world and there's only so much you control can control, you know. Um, I find a really funny little example, not really funny, but you look at like a politician, whether you like politicians or not or whatever, some politician will announce that they're, you know, got this like multi-million dollar campaign to like help, I don't know, climate change or something. And no matter what, you know, someone will comment on that and be like, yeah, what about the kids in Africa? Well, it's like, yeah, it's not a, it's not a choice. It's not it's not one or the other, but at this point in time, I'm talking about that. But it just shows that there's so much on people's minds, let alone their own issues. There's so much going on in the world, which is just it's it can be a bit overbearing. Um, and I I just love that lyric from Scott. While I'm alive, I make tiny changes to the earth. You know, the tiny change might just be asking someone how their day is going or. I don't know, meditating for 10 minutes or something like that. It's it's a little tiny, tiny little change, but it's affecting you. It's affecting your little community around you. And who knows the power that it might have for other people in the world. So that is beautiful. Number four now. All right, let's go straight into number four. Goodness me, I love this song. Where is it? There it is. Oh, yes. Magnolia by Gang of Views. This song, this song is madness. It, uh, Gang of Views, anyone that knows me will have heard me ramble on about Gang of Views. And it is just the most brilliant song, Magnolia. It makes you want to dance 
it makes you want to jive and bop and I don't know get on someone's shoulders it's kind of like a real F you to everything but also nothing and again we're talking about a man um, Dave Leo Pepe who just somehow has this way with writing music and the way with lyrics and the way with his stage presence to bring from such melancholic like depression or, or, or from such like sadness and harsh harsh treatment in life to come up with such a like celebratory feeling around something sad it's unreal this song I'm just gonna stop There's, a, um, there's an interview with Dave, I think it was done by SBS, <clears throat> and um, he talks about the kind of meaning behind this song, and his story about coming into music is, uh, it's almost too much, I don't know that I, I might talk about it later, um, there's a clue for another song in the top five, but he, he'd had enough, he was ready to give up, he was ready to, to end his life, um, and then he kind of had this moment of realization aided by his uh, manager um, and his dad's house and his dad's magnolia tree, uh, hence the name Magnolia. And he sat there and said, "Nah, I'm not. I'm not done yet." And that's just ah, uh, it's just epic. It's just epic, epic moment of purity. Um, and now he's he's. I mean, Gang of Views are just the most, like, chest-thumping, pulsating, anthemic uh, band that I, I love, love, love more than anything else. So, yeah, this song, Magnolia, um, everyone knows it for its, like, sort of upbeat and its, and its jivey tone. Um, it's, like, impossible not to move your hips <laughs> to. Um, but yeah, the underlying meaning behind it is incredible where he thought, I'm not done with, with ending it. Ah, uh, yes. So there you go. That is number four. Magnolia by Gang of Youth. We'll go straight in to number three. Now, this song... This song has got, oh man, oh, this is just epic. You may not know this song, you may know it. Um, you probably don't know what it's saying, but that's fine. It is, of course, Hoppy Polla by Sigaros. Sigaros, 
an Icelandic band. Um, one of the more unique bands you'll ever find in the world. Um, for a number of reasons. Um, some of the, I guess the main reason is uh, the main singer, Yonsi. The way he sings, he's got the most incredible falsetto um, for a, a male singer. Um, he uses a cello bow to bow an electric guitar. It's where I got that inspiration from to do it myself in my own songs. Um, some of the instrumentation they use, but perhaps uh, irrelevant to this episode reason why they are unique is because a lot of the time um, Yonsi sings in a made-up language, uh, a gobbledygook speak, if you will, called Hopelandic. But uh, yeah, it has, has no meaning to it, and he sings those certain phonemes because they sound they sound cool or they, they fit what he's trying to say at this point in time. There is some Hopelandic mixed with Icelandic in this song, Hoppy Polo. And this is a really, really good example to talk about. Is music really a language? And that key finding that I got from doing the research that music can express emotions better than language can across language groups. It can transcend through different language groups. Um, because in this song, he's singing Icelandic, which I don't understand. But also, he's kind of blabbering on about nothing, but it, yet it still has this overall emotion to it. What do you think that emotion is? Just incredible. I When I hear this song, it just fills me with this radiant smile. Surely it makes you want to smile too. So it's got to be about, it's got to be happiness, right? That's the feeling that you get from this song. It's immense joy and just this kind of in innocent simplicity to the brilliance of existence um, and as far as I'm aware that is what the song is about I think the song literally is about jumping in puddles and if you watch the video clip for this song it is just magical it's a bunch of old people going around and knick knocking and jumping in puddles and playing tricks and pranks on each other this is epic music brilliance that only this band, Sigaros, can create. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they are one of the most inspiring bands that I've ever heard and listened to. Got a plethora of different styles and vibes, but their their use of instrumentation it's just unreal just unreal and that song i never thought a song about jumping in puddles could be so powerful in my life but but here we are that is number three and uh that brings us to the top two so going into number two now this is a song from a band that 
I would say for probably the first, oh goodness, at least 18 years of my life, they were my favorite band of all time and this is my favorite song of all time. I deliberated over and over and over again whether this song should be number one to my eventual number one, but um, it just just didn't make it. But I, I think, I mean, if I did this podcast when I was 18 years old, this would far and away have been the number one song. But here you go. Number two. Oh, hang on a sec. It's the video clip. I downloaded this illegally. Hang on, let's just wait for it to kick in. When you try your best but you don't succeed. That's right. Fix You when you by get Coldplay. What you want, but not what you need. When you feel so tired but you can't sleep. Stuck in A number of reasons why this song is so special to me and indeed Coldplay themselves. I mean, I grew up primarily playing piano and uh, it was this really cool um, thing to see that Chris Martin, a lead singer of this incredibly huge group, music group, he played piano. You didn't see that many frontmen that played piano. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he really made me believe that I can do some cool things with music. And this song, I mean, is just beautiful. Coldplay have for what, 23 years? 1998 was their first album, I think. So for 23 years, at least, they have been making brilliant song after brilliant song. They may be a bit polarizing now or in the last sort of five to 10 years, um, whether they've gone too mainstream or too poppy or whatever, but the ability to to still put out what they're putting out is pretty magical. And you know, the world tours that they've done in the last sort of five years, filling out 30, 40, 50, up to 80, 90,000 stadiums, arenas in like 200 cities from across the world, that is. Whether you like their music or not, that is an incredible power of songwriting ability. Because what that that is showing is that it compares, it, 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 sorry, it brings together and collaborates thoughts and emotions and feelings from almost every single language group in the world. The other reason I love this song is because right now, this anthemic build, which we're just gonna listen to for a bit. From a nerdy songwriting point of view, 
to start the song with this organ and piano and then to then not follow the pop song structure which they you know they and many other pop groups are associated with verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus they built this up with this guitar and it is epic stadium song it's an epic live song it's an epic studio song it's an epic headphone song ah it just is epic I remember listening to this song when I was in Paris. I went to um, school exchange, lived in Paris for a bit. Um, I was okay at um, French, but certainly not fluent as I should have been for doing philosophy and Latin studies and all that kind of intense stuff that I had no idea what was going on in French class. Um, So, I remember I used to walk from my house to the school and I would always listen to this song and I remember walking through the streets of Paris and thinking this is a song I would love to play live on stage one day and it kind of, it always sat in my head that I could do that one day. I could I could be on stage and I could play piano and I could sing and I could draw in a crowd and I could share a moment with with everyone there in that room or in that arena or in that stadium, whatever. Um, that is the part, the dreamer part of me that that hasn't died yet <laughs> and uh, doesn't want to die. Um, Fix You by Coldplay has always been a bit of a, a reminder that that dream is still there and should still be there and should never stop being there. So Coldplay, thank you very, very much. Now that leads us to the number one song in my life. My number one song ever. Now, again, as I said, I deliberated very much between Fix You and this song. But I had to look a little bit at the heart. I had to look a little bit at the stats. The stats of my Spotify do not lie. This was my number one song in 2017 it was in the top five of my top five songs every year since and in my spotify song of the decade in the 2010s this was number one so you can't go past that and the emotion and the feeling and everything it gives me it is just everything so presenting to you my number one song of all time It is The Deepest Sighs, The Frankish Shadows by Gang of Youths. There's a sky full of light and none of them stars. Each white silvery flicker is a faithful reminder of what you was. Of a weight that's in youth that makes a dick of a soul. 
if it happened today, and it's probably happened before. In a crowd unfamiliar, I just wanna touch your familiar face and make friends at the parties I feared the likes of an age. To be wanted with truth and make formidable love. See light in myself that I see inside everyone else I know. You know, in episode one of this podcast, I um, I think it was episode one. I analysed the two spectrums of my mind, the two thought processes of my brain and my mind about life. One of them, this magical opportunity that we have for a finite amount of time to make these tiny changes in the world and and feel the present moments and just be the most epic version we can in this beautiful world and this beautiful planet surrounded by beautiful people and and, uh, that juxtaposed with the the other thought of like well you know what none of it matters we're all we're all gone anyway soon we're all nothing space is going to end the world's going to end the universe is going to end and this song for me just analyzes and puts that all together perfectly because it is a song that says you know what not everything means something just enjoy it From my own biased musical standpoint, um, Gang of Views, uh, well, when I started writing music, I, uh, well, I, well, I didn't really know what to sing or, or what to, or how to play stuff. I think I was trying to fit into a mold that I thought um, should exist in normal musical structure and theory, but it didn't really work. Um, particularly when I, when I started to try and sing, I never I tried to sing everything and I and I and it didn't it didn't work it didn't make sense so I, I very quickly had to learn what what my capabilities were and and the sort of vibe that came from that capability and it just so happened that it kind of all beautifully molded together that I knew the style that I wanted to sing and I, and I could to an extent sing it um, but there was no music out there I, I really thought that kind of sounded like this style that I was portraying or wanted to portray or wanted to share with the world. And then Gang of Yous came along and I remember seeing them uh, once in, at Falls Festival in 2015 and thought, oh my God, these guys are pretty hectic. And then got into Magnolia, which was uh, number four. And then they released this album, Go Father in Lightness, and it like just pretty effectively changed my life. Anyone that um, I was unfortunate enough to be a, a victim of my tour guiding career, they would have heard me ramble on about Gang Use, particularly their end song, Say Yes to Life. Um, they have beautiful messaging and beautiful imagery and create this, it's this like anthemic feeling of fuck yeah. That's really all it is. 
but they have these epic song structures you know the songs go for a long time and I felt like that really related to what I'm trying to do with my music to see someone out there doing something better than me <laughs> what a song Oh man oh, Epic, epic finish I did steal the song That structure um, In my final version Of writing Mountain Man With that epic end And then going into just a guitar and the vocals Which is Exactly what this song does So there you go The top five songs in my life, music is an incredible power because it can bring people together from all over the world. And that's what I've learned more so than I knew in doing this particular episode. The fact that I just selfishly took half an hour to go through my own top five songs, um, hopefully you enjoyed that and some of the reasoning behind it, but hope it might make you think about your top five songs um, and and songs that have given you some sort of greater explanation of what you're trying to convey or what you're trying to process through your brain. Um, I find that particularly in times of sorrow or sadness, um, you're not necessarily looking for a happy song, you know, that, that we'll go into that in a future episode. In fact, the next one. Um you know, listening to a happy song when you're sad doesn't, it can make you happy, but a lot of the time you're looking for something uh, outside of your mind that can, that can, you can relate to. And that's what, that's why I kind of lean towards this sort of emo, I guess you call it, side of music, because um, when I'm sad, I, I struggle to talk about it. And I find that listening to songs like this just, reassure me that everything is okay everything is fine so yeah if you have any um stories of of any song you know a dance song or a, a happy song or a sad song or any particular song that makes you makes you think you know what i can't actually convey what i want to say but this song conveys it and relates it to my life perfectly I would love to hear it. I would love to hear these stories and I'd love to share these stories if you didn't mind with everyone else so we can really start to understand a bit more of um, just how magical music is. There you go. Top five songs. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for waiting. This this podcast was a week late. I apologize for that. Um, I was just coming to grips with my bald visage um, and the fact that I can't grow a beard. And uh, this dude, um, this dude, a restaurant owner um, in Adelaide, he he commented on the fact that I was going bald once, and he said, "You know, Ben, I've got this friend um, in India that can do a hair transplant for you." And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, well, we'll see, we'll see, yeah, sure." But 
he said, yeah, he did it. He did it to my head. And um, I thought, okay, that's strange because I look at your head and you have this like extraordinarily big, like front Elvis flick thing. And then a massive, massive helipad in the back of your head. So I don't know if he's just wasn't the best at doing hair transplants. But if that's the look that I'm going to get, because hair transplants don't work, right? They work temporarily. You're going to go bald anyway. So no, thank you. I don't really want to look like Elvis um, preparing his head for a helicopter to land on. And the other thing I've noticed is now hair starting to grow everywhere else, like on my back. Where did that come from? Why, why am I losing hair in the most integral part of the viewership of an audience or a recipient of a conversation, my stupid fat egghead, but now I'm growing all this hair on my back. What's the deal with that one? Oh, God. Anyway, settle in, Ben. Settle in for life. Thank you very much, everyone. Cheers. I will see you next time.